You're listening to The Message from the Hillsborough United Methodist Church, our weekly sermon broadcast available for working around the home, your commute, or wherever God calls you to listen. me if I would uh, do the sermon this morning, and I said yes, uh, figuring, you know, I'll figure it out, and, you know, it's like, okay, I can do this. I did, I did this once before, um, and then I reconnected with a friend from high school, and they asked me, I was, we were just kind of catching up, what's going on in your life, and that kind of thing. We haven't really seen each other in over 10 years, and we ended up hanging out and going to a concert together. And so as we waited to exit Edgefield, which parking lot, the parking lot there is a field and a nightmare. Uh, so I have a plan and I'll share it with you guys. Park someplace, get an Uber or a Lyft from wherever you parked, have them drop you off there, and then you don't have to go in the field. I thought of that, but still didn't do it. But I highly plan to do it if I ever go to a concert at Edgefield again. Anyway. Uh, Just a little life hack from, uh, I almost called myself Mrs. Richard, because normally when I'm talking to a group of people, that's what I refer to myself as. Uh, But as we were sitting there waiting the hour to move, even an inch, uh, my friend asked me, so remind me again, what like academic qualifications do you have to preach? And I was like, oh, none. (laughs) I've got a degree in history. Uh, I have a master's degree in education. Um, no, I, I took a couple of the lay servant classes uh, on, online during the pandemic, but as far as formal training, uh, you know, Angie is way more qualified to be up here, but she's busy this weekend, so you get me again. Uh, so my friend was kind of surprised because a lot of churches, you really have to be qualified to be up here addressing the entire congregation. And her partner is an um, assistant uh, pastor at a UCC church in Canby. And so, you know, she's kind of familiar with the faith tradition she was brought up in. She's familiar with what her partner does uh, in her role there in Canby. And so, you know, we kind of had this interesting theological discussion of who gets to be the authority in any given situation in a church. And something that, you know, I've been a Methodist my whole life, so something I really appreciate about the Methodist tradition is that truly any of you could say, hey, I would like to do the sermon, and you can come up here and speak from your heart as well um, about pretty much anything church-related. There's probably some parameters. I don't know what they are. As mentioned, I have no authority here. Uh, So... Earlier this week, Laura texted me because she knows that emails are, you know, 50-50 chance of either I'll reply or I won't. It's nothing personal. Um, But she knows that I'm pretty good about replying to a text. 
And it was maybe Monday or Tuesday, and she asked if I had a title for my sermon. And when I stopped laughing, I replied and said, I haven't even written it yet. Uh, I have Friday off from work. It's, we only teach four days a week, which is nice. Uh, and um, so sometime between Friday and Sunday morning, I will write it. So just go ahead and leave the title part blank. Uh, but it dawned on me this morning that if I had come up with a title in time to put it in the bulletin, uh, and you're welcome to write it in there if you would like to, I would have titled it, Would Jesus Want to Have Dinner with You? And I said that to my mom, and she was like, ooh. And I said, well, yes, right? It's, you got to hook the people with something that catches their attention. Uh, now, most of us would say, oh, of course, of course, of course. I mean, I'm at church after all. And why wouldn't Jesus want to have dinner with each and every one of us? And then I went back and I'm, you know, as I was preparing, I spent a lot of time kind of reading this passage from Matthew. And honestly, I was like, oh, good, I got stuck with a boring one. What am I going to say about a tax collector who follows Jesus and they go have dinner? And some other stuff happens too, right? But it's not one of those like really engaging, fascinating passages. So I read it in a couple different versions of the Bible, and I looked at it, and I was still kind of like, hmm. And so I did some research, and I looked into it, and I realized like, oh, I am not having an open mindset in looking at this, right? In this passage that Carol read for us, Jesus talks about sinners versus the righteous. And physicians don't see the healthy, they see the sick. And so looking into that, I'm going, okay, what is, what is he really referring to here? What is he telling us? Uh, and then when the Pharisees are really upset, he tells them not to just go read what we consider the Old Testament, but he tells them to understand the passage about uh, thinking about the people in different ways and looking at, and I asked my mom how to say, how to say it, and she said she pronounces it Hosea. Hose, is that what you said to me? So, okay, Darryl, or Dale says yes, so we'll go with that. Um, and in that passage, as a prophet, Hosea criticizes people not because they're forgetting to sacrifice live animals to God, but for thinking that if we're doing these sacrifices, kind of these performance things that say, look at how righteous I am, that that would make God forgive everything else. And so thinking that performing those things is going to make a difference when we are lacking any concern or compassion for the less fortunate members of our society it not only angered God before Jesus, it angered Jesus, and it still, to this day, hurts God when we ignore those in need in our own society. So sacrifice, be it a goat, or well, look at how much I give, look at all this money I've given, or I spend all this time helping others. I do all these things. There's a piece in 
that. That yes, it's wonderful that you're able to give and it's wonderful that you're giving of your time. But when you're focusing on I and me and all the things that we do for other people, are we really understanding what Jesus was asking us to do? If you write a check to any organization that you support, those funds are probably going to use, be used to do good in the world. And that's a good thing. But if you are doing it with this idea that you are being so amazing, even if it's in kind of the subconscious level, we are not really being giving of our spirit and giving of our love to people. We're not understanding their situation. We're not caring for them as whole people. And that is not what we're called to do. Okay, there are community organizations that do amazing work, but we are more than a community organization, right? We're a church and we are, our mission statement, and I don't get all the words right, you can look it up later, but it's something along the lines of trying to uh, create disciples of Christ for the transformation of the world. And so really thinking about what we're called to do as Christians, as opposed to just people out there trying to do good in the world, it really has to be something at our very heart level, where we are thinking about people as being our neighbors, okay, and being in connection with them. In the passage, Matthew talks about mercy. And I was thinking, you know, there's this modern definition of mercy, and should I start my sermon with, you know, the um, Oxford Dictionary describes mercy, and I was like, no, I'm not going, you know, promotion speech kind of nonsense. But what we think of as mercy is different, perhaps, than what the Hebrew word would have really meant, okay? If I think about mercy in present day, uh, I'm being kind to you, I'm choosing not to punish you for something, maybe. V's not in here anymore, is she? Okay, so don't tell her about this, but she lied recently. She wanted to play on her tablet instead of taking a shower. So she turned the shower on, shut the bathroom door, got her hair wet, and then just watched YouTube on her tablet. And, you know, call it mother's intuition, but I knew something was up when I knocked on the door and opened it, and she was behind the door, shower running. She's wrapped in a towel. Her hair is wet, but she's bone dry. Now, I showed her mercy because I didn't fly off the handle. I showed her mercy because I said, okay, you're going to lose technology because, you know, there's got to be a consequence, et cetera, et cetera. But ultimately, you stink. Please go take a shower for real this time. And so, you know, we'll keep working on that. That was me being such a merciful mother. <laughs> I could have gone old school and, you know, maybe a, a minor spanking, but no, we're moving beyond that. I could have yelled and yelled, I'm good at that. No, I was too tired. So I was so merciful uh, in how I treated her. But looking at what mercy meant in Jesus's time, 
It could be translated to kindness, loving kindness, goodness, or compassion. It was used frequently to talk about God's compassion for human beings, God's mercy to us. The article I read starts talking about the Greek, and it has it. I don't speak Greek. Uh, but looking then to the language that these passages were originally written in, in Greek, we've got a similar range of those meanings. Okay, It's the same word that Luke uses to describe the way that the Good Samaritan treats the injured traveler. So understanding mercy both in our modern time and at the time when Jesus would have been using it helps us look deeper into what is it that we're being called to do. He also is talking about sacrifice. And the old passages that he's referencing would have been specifically talking about human sacrifice. Not, oh, oh my. I teach um, social studies, and uh, the sixth graders only care about human sacrifice. And so uh, that slips out more often. I meant animal sacrifice. Uh, so they're sitting there having dinner, and he's talking. Nobody is sacrificing an animal. So is he using that as an example of something else? Uh, we don't really have clear answers, either in Hosea or in Matthew. Okay, It seems to be talking about that religious ritual uh, where animals are killed in God's name. But Jesus loves himself a metaphor. Okay, he loves speaking metaphorically. He loves telling those parables and using things that we understand as a way to explain things that we are struggling with. And so thinking about what he might be meaning uh, when he talks about sacrifice makes us look deeper than just that surface level. Okay, so being aware that we are called to do this work in the world to transform not those around us, but also ourselves, means that we're sacrificing more than our time, our money. Uh, thankfully, we don't sacrifice animals uh, in you know our current era here, uh, but we need to be sacrificing our ego we need to be sacrificing our belief that we are somehow maybe more blessed than others, or that somehow we're more deserving of the things that we might have in our daily lives than someone else who might be missing those things. And we are really quick to point out why someone else might be in a different situation. We like to say, well, they should have made better choices. They should have planned ahead more, and then they wouldn't be bankrupt from a medical disaster. They could have, uh, you know, talked about their feelings instead of trying to drown them in alcohol. Or, you know, they should have, you know, stopped eating uh, avocado toast, and then they could buy a house. We look to find reasons why somebody else is in a bad place 
so that we can feel good about the place that we are in. And the passage in Matthew is really having us look at the people that Jesus is choosing to associate with. And yes, he uses the language of sinners versus righteous, but the people at that time and now who proclaim to be righteous are not really following the call that God set forth for us. And Jesus is trying to make that very clear Yes, these people that I'm having dinner with, these tax collectors, or the prostitutes I had lunch with, or the lepers that I go among, they are sinners. They are unclean, perhaps, but so are we. And so who is God, who is Jesus asking us to love? There aren't people that are in and people that are out. But there are people that might make us uncomfortable. I don't always know how to react to somebody if I'm not exactly sure what they're going to do next, okay? Or if they're of a different religion and I'm worried that maybe I'm going to do or say something that offends them. Or maybe they don't look the way I would expect people to look. But we are called to love everyone and to treat everyone as if they are our neighbor. So we cannot choose who is in and who is out and who is worthy of God's love and who is worthy of our love. God wants us to be compassionate. He wants us to have that loving kindness for all of his children. It's not easy. There's no one solution to any of the problems in the world, but it all starts with love. And it starts with mercy. And then we can see ways in which there is injustice in the world that we need to work to correct. I didn't know if I wanted to have kids because of the world that I would be bringing them into. We decided to have kids. I thought I was bringing them into a world that was better than the one I grew up in, that was better than the one my parents grew up in. And it's not, in large part because I just believed it would get better, right? We just kind of naturally progress to be better and better. But there's work that has to be done. And I can't just sit back and watch Pat do it. We have to go and help. We have to be the ones out there. We have to be the ones opening our homes, our property, our spaces that we've kept apart from people that we have othered. 
I'm going to end with a quote from a Catholic humanitarian whose name is Dorothy Day. She said, I really only love God as much as I love the person that I love the least. And I know that right now in my heart, I don't think Jesus would want to have dinner with me. Because if I truly only love God, as much as I love the least person, as the person that I love the least, then I'm out there in the cold with those Pharisees. And I'm not inside with Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message from Hillsborough United Methodist Church. Our senior pastor is Jorge Rodriguez. Presently, our live stream of services are available at 10 a.m. on the Hillsborough United Methodist Church YouTube page. You can find out more, like us on Facebook, or subscribe to our YouTube at hillsboroughumc.org. Thank you.